I'm Trisha Real, also known as Trish the Dish. And I'm Isaac Bluefoot, and this is Salty Astrology. Which you could take with a grain of salt. Honestly, a single grain is never enough. I often look way far in the future. Part of why I did my master's in theater was because I saw Pluto was moving into Aquarius in 2025 or 2024, and I wanted to capitalize on the energies of transformation for my self-expression because I saw it was going to be a 20-year aspect. And I'm like, I'm going to prepare, and when it comes, I'm going to be ready. And that's like, so I'm getting to this point where it's like, oh, I'd made all these choices so that when all this awesome stuff happens in 2024 and 2025 and 2026, I'm all like, ready. <laughs> and it's really weird to be like that my younger self made questionable choices. Like I could have gone to acupuncture school and been normal. That's not normal, I know, but to me, that would have been normal. I often <laughs> you know? wonder though, like you say, oh, I looked at the astrology and I rationalized it out and I made a choice based on what I rationally thought based on the astrology. But the choice you made is so you of you to have made <laughs> that it kind of becomes oh, another place where we're just justifying the choices we need to make that maybe are based off our astrology. Right. I mean, I was at a juncture. I had done all of the prerequisites for acupuncture school. I had already been a massage therapist for eight years. I love the body. I love science. I loved taking anatomy and physiology and dissecting a cadaver. I just, I was really into it. I loved my Chinese language class. I was, you know, A's. I was doing it. But then I went to the Five Branches. It's a school down in Santa Cruz, just to look at it, check it out. And I had been doing a lot of gigs, you know, just because I was teaching theater after school programs. And then I was doing gigs as an astrologer for corporate parties and other things. And I was doing clown gigs and all kinds of performance gigs. And I was also a dance class addict. I was really in my, you know, performer training and performer life, but I wanted something more. And I went to the five branches and I, you know, had done all these prerequisites. And I walk into this one room where there's a whole bunch of them studying. And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> like, like, it's exciting that I'm there at acupuncture school checking it out. And I think they were all studying for a very, very intense exam. And they all looked at me like, this is very serious and you should not be like this. <laughs> you know, like it was kind of a, I'm like, oh, it's going to take over my life. And I didn't quite realize that until that moment. And then I started questioning again. And then I went and I looked into the future and I'm like, nope, I'm taking a left turn now. And so here I am. Okay. Well, I've survived. Yeah. And I, the thing <laughs> is, is that like, again, whether you look at your astrology or not, you're going to end up doing the things that your astrology tends to do. Yeah. And, you know, we're multifaceted creatures, so we might want to give the health trip a, a lot of airtime if that's in your chart, like yeah. it is in mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have my Chiron in my sixth house 
And me too. And I had many uh, issues in my health as a child, going to chiropractors with a bad back before I was even 10, with like pinched nerves in my spine and constant headaches, yeah. rashes perpetually with all the foods I was allergic to. Mm-hmm. Like it was very, and, and it's sensitive to talk about. And it's strange because wherever house Chiron lands in, this is something I'm so salty about. The idea that there's a, a fucking asteroid yeah. that is out there and it lands somewhere in your houses and it determines your childhood like pains and traumas, stuff that makes you get teary-eyed when you talk about it. To listen to it, I sat around with some friends not too many years back, three of us, just reading about Chiron's placements. And we all took turns reading the other ones, Chirons, to each other. So mm-hmm. each of us took a turn to read and we cycled through. And as we were all reflecting later, each of us talked about how we became teary-eyed listening, going, oh, my poor inner child self didn't go through this pain. This is so acutely real. Like, we each felt it for the house that our Chiron landed in. And it's just like, <gasps> this tender little wound. Mm-hmm. Um, we jokingly called Chiron the pedophile of the Zodiac. (laughs) Where on the chart did Chiron touch you? Gosh. It's horrible, I know, but it's true. Because, like, you're like, where did it touch you? Oh, I'm so sorry. You're probably very sensitive about things in that area, aren't you? So, I'm so salty about astrology because Mm -hmm. of stupid... It's an asteroid, Trish. I understand. And, you know, that's the thing of, like, you and I sitting next to each other, we have more gravitational impact on each other than the moon has on either one of us, right? And and so it's not really a gravitational thing. It's it's a vibes thing. It's an energy thing. I mean, even you talk to scientists and they'll talk about there's a vibration of the table. It might be a solid vibration, but it's still a vibration. Even colors aren't real. Oh, I'm really glad you mentioned a vibration of a table because I just came up with a metaphor for what the aspects do and why they don't predict our future, but they do, in hindsight, explain what happened, which is somatics. Do you know about somatics? I don't think I do. Somatics is when you take a plate and put sand on it, and then vibrate it with a pitch of sound. Oh, yeah, I know that. Okay. I personally have a preference towards a circular plate because then it's not biased by the shape of the plate, but it's fascinating the way that you can vibrate a plate and create a consistent pattern on that plate. And so the best way I can describe astrology in this way is that we are all grains of sand on a plate. And whatever these aspects and these forces are, they create these vibrations and harmonics on this plate that we all sit on. And as the certain types of vibrations form, the sand takes shapes. We don't know which sand on the board we are. <laughs> you know, we're all interconnected on this plate of sand that's being vibrated by the stars. Yeah. And we don't know what our future is in store for us because we do know what the aspects are. We can predict the harmonics that are coming. But what grain of salt are you? <laughs> That's hard to say. It's hard to say, yeah. So, um, with that said, do you want to talk about this new moon? Yeah, uh, let's talk about it. It's going to be December 12th, 3.32 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the West Coast. So, adjust for your location. 
and uh, it is a new moon in Sagittarius. So, so the sun and moon will be in Sagittarius. So that's a fire sign that's mutable. It's also ruled by Jupiter. So the advice is to consider how to positively integrate some of the Sagittarian qualities like optimism, enthusiasm, adventure, being honest and outspoken, all the things that rule Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very carefree energy in general. It can be, yeah. And this is kind of extra because Mars is still traveling close by. So Mars is very close in Sagittarius also. So here it's, you know, the courage to expand our horizons. Uh, you can, you know, maybe we can nurture our faith and optimism or gain new perspectives. So it's because Sagittarius is also about perspective. So it's, you know, fairly um, buoyant in comparison to the last new moon. Well, Sagittarius is about perspective and the big picture. Yeah. Getting the, the, the zooming out of what's going on. Yep. I think that Jupiter trining with Mercury is an interesting thing that we're also getting in this moment. Right, because Jupiter is the ruling planet of Sagittarius. And during this new moon, it's making a harmonious trine to Mercury. And Mercury deals with the conscious mind, where Jupiter deals with the superconscious mind. I like so. to think of it as one is meticulating all the little bits of information, yeah. and the other sees it in a broad scope. Jupiter's also Pisces, which kind of gets the whole big picture at once. It's that whole, what I would call the right brain experience is very Piscean. A big vague planet like Neptune fits the bill. Yeah. But there's something big and vague about Jupiter too. Oh yeah, it's huge and very gaseous also. But anywho, uh, yeah, so this is the conscious mind and the superconscious mind working really well together. It's the, what did you call it, the little bits? The little bits and details with the big picture all kind of harmonizing. Yeah. And they're doing it in Earth signs, which is cool because then it's going to be really practical. It could and be. And pragmatic, maybe, yeah. in the way that it connects the big picture with the little picture, because we're looking at... Taurus and Capricorn. Yeah, and Mercury is also making a harmonious sextile to Venus. So Mercury and Capricorn can be serious-minded, so says the lore. Venus in Scorpio would be passionate. And so this sextile, which is 60 degrees apart, is great for socializing. It's harmony with communication. Communication and cooperation are favored. So it's great. Yeah, so there's a lot I, of great things going on here. Even though there are those harmonies going on, Venus is making a very close opposition to Jupiter at the same time. Oh, because that's what the recipe you get when you get a sextile or trine. It you're can gonna, be, You're, you're yeah. often going to end up with a opposition as well by the yeah. natural math of it. Yeah. And so the oppositions are about awarenesses. So here it's, you know, balancing your generosity with indulgence or harmony with excess. Basically, it's like... If you're going to expand, expand with prudence and practicality in mind and all will be well. One way that I could also look at this is like, okay, so seeing with Jupiter opposite to Venus, that this is such a big event of the sensibilities. And so this sensibilities going in opposition to this bigger picture and the, the natural flow of and buoyancy energy that Jupiter brings. 
vehement opposition will be supported by communication. Yeah, that's how I would see it also, because that Mercury really helps bring it together in a harmonious way. And and yet it's Mercury and Capricorn, so, you know, serious We're going to feel a tension between this big picture and our sensibilities, but talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah, it's actually going to come naturally if you let it. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing about the new moon is that this, both the sun and moon are going to be making a quincunx to Uranus. And we talked about quincunx last time, which is 150 degrees apart. And this, again, is a very unusual aspect. Uh, Uranus is the bohemian planet. You've and talked about it as the table tosser, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I also like as a description. Um, so basically, this aspect is kind of an urge for liberating change. And it might feel uncertain or unpredictable, but the yearning for something new and exciting is strong. And uh, we can harness our imagination and insight and intuition since Uranus rules intuition. And uh, also, there could be exciting opportunities that might be possible with this new moon. And that said, since Uranus rules the nerves, and this is an awkward quincunx, it could possibly be important to uh, take care of the nerves, even though there's a lot of exciting, awesome, possible stuff. Got it. <laughs> so. Uh, so I am noting that uh, when we did our Scorpio new moon episode, we mentioned the moon and the sun were opposite to Uranus. So there is a good chance that the people who are experiencing whatever they're experiencing, everything you've just described would be happening in the same area of that Uranus was inhabiting during that opposition. So it will be invoking perhaps things that happened last month thematically. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I was looking at that too and kind of thinking of for myself that this new moon would be like a sigh of relief in some way in comparison to the last new moon. So what other aspects are we going to look forward to? Um, so the other thing is that last episode we talked about Mercury making a square to Neptune. And this episode with the new moon on December 12th, we have the sun and moon making a square to Neptune. Mm, so what's that going to do? Well, you know, again, it would be kind of, you know, watching for deception or even self-deception. Before it was communication because it was Mercury. Yeah. And this time it's literally the ego. So a lot more of something more tender is going to be deceived. It really hurts when people call you out for your ego's deceptions. <laughs> yeah. Those, ooh, it hurts. Yeah. Oh. Not guaranteed anyone will call you out because Mercury is not engaged in this action. But mm -hmm. the fact is, is that eventually these planets will progress from this stage and whatever we've stirred in our own issues in this moment will probably be a part of some sort of building aspect in the next coming. <laughs> I like squares, though. Yeah, they can squares. make progress. Yeah, for sure. They you definitely they'll get you off the couch. And that's great. And. You know, sometimes Neptune, it can also rule addiction. <laughs> mm. And so, like, did you hear about the guy who was addicted to eating salt? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, but don't worry. He was cured. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Trish. 
No, but if you're going to take the time to stop and make a joke about this, I'm going to have to take the time to stop and say, yeah. So this is a, could be a time when someone's addiction does get called out. It could. This、yeah. is the kind of moment when addiction might have to be confronted.、Mm-hmm. And even within yourself, like you might have well, to, you know. There's no point in actually confronting addiction in somebody else、mm-hmm. if they're not ready to confront it in themselves. That's、yeah. like you can try, but like that's not the moment that's happening. But maybe for some people, this is that moment because the moon is there with the sun. New moons are when we start new things,、mm-hmm. and so suddenly this this big energy of my ego is aligned with my emotional self, and they're both at odds with this tension with this planet that has to do with the place that we we dream from, and perhaps dream too much of if you're dealing with substance abuse. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I, I just want to throw that out there because you made an addiction joke, and I don't want to like, take <laughs>、yeah. that too lightly. I mean, you know, yeah, I just, yeah, I just like jokes. No, it's not bad, <laughs> but we're gonna have accountability with our jokes. <laughs> accountability with these dang stars. <laughs> so there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about with this new moon, which is pretty positive, and that is that. Saturn and Venus will also be in a trine aspect. It's sort of a loose trine. It's it's, but it's still a trine in water signs. When you say a loose trine, meaning that they're further out from the orb than they were. Yeah, I mean, but just a few days before this, the trine was not loose. Yeah, it was so, closer to yeah, exact. After listening to this episode, when it comes out on the quarter moon. Will have the exact have already happened, or is it still to happen? The exact will have already happened, but it's still in orb, and so here it is. You know, Saturn, the planet of form, and Venus, the love, nature, and aesthetics planet. They're working well together. So,、mm-hmm. you know, how astrologers talk about it is like a gratifying aspect. That it's like it could feel like a hug from the universe. Or、um, you know where we can work together, we can make peace.、Uh, we might. It even feels be- like a getting things done kind of thing to it, me for、yeah. some reason. When I think about those two together, I'm like, oh, that sounds productive. Yeah, you can. You know, people could let go of frustrations in favor of harmony, and it could be comfortable in like real ways. And so I, you know, love that that this new moon has all these really positive aspects. It's definitely way more buoyant than the last new moon. <laughs> well, yeah, because the last one was in Scorpio, so it was literally in the depths, and、mm-hmm. this one is in Sagittarius. Yeah, and how much buoyant can it get? <laughs> yeah, it's like the the bubbles in a flute of champagne are like the arrows of Sagittarius in every which direction. It's, I think, the bit in Fantasia to Beethoven with Pastoral. It has Dionysus in it, but just so much Sagittarian energies all over Beethoven's work. To be quite honest, look at his hair. I mean, the hair alone. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's it's ironically similar to Jimi Hendrix's hair. Another Sagittarius. How do I do this? I personally love some Sagittarius time. Yeah. So taking all of this and applying it to my own chart, it looks like this is all going to be happening on right before the cusp of. My second house.、Mm-hmm. So this whole last cycle, the new moon was on my ascendant,、mm-hmm. and so it does make sense that the next new moon happens to be landing directly on the cusp of my second house. So this next chapter for me, where I've been moving through, getting myself more physical. Mars is drifting further away from the sun and will stay with me a little longer. 
PS, been stretching, I've been feeling more energetic, That's been awesome. going out dancing. Yeah. So I hope all the other Scorpio risings out there and Sagittarius risings out there are taking advantage of this. And I hope everybody else is looking forward to when Mars comes around on your first house because I'm feeling good about that. <laughs> Though now I'm going to be entering a cycle of my second house and that starts in Sagittarius and goes into Capricorn, which is where we're going to be in the next chapter. So I wonder what that's going to be like for me. I have no idea. But for everyone listening, I hope they can track where their late Sagittarius is and going into Capricorn mm -hmm. and then figure out where perhaps their ego thinks they are and doesn't think about it too hard. Because don't, yeah, don't think too hard. I mean, I think with this particular new moon, since it's in the later degrees of Sagittarius, anybody who has mutable signs in the later degrees in their chart, so not just Sagittarians, but people that have planets in the later degrees of Pisces, Gemini, Virgo, or Sagittarius would feel this new moon more powerfully than others. So we got the conjunction of the moon and the sun for the new, and Mars is still conjunct, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, we got Mercury trining to Jupiter, helping support Jupiter's opposition to Venus. Oh man, a struggle worth talking about. Right, and it's weird because Venus and Jupiter are known as the benefics mm -hmm. in astrology, so you wouldn't think that they could have a challenging aspect, but even too much of a good thing can sometimes be too much of a good thing. Oh, wow. I'm familiar with some Jupiter conjunct Venus aspects that I've read before. Mm -hmm. that, those are very exuberant connections. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see when those powers go against each other that that actually could be the opposite. It could be overindulgence would be perhaps something we should warn everyone to be aware that you're doing it because I don't know how you're gonna stop. Oh, communicate. Be ready to communicate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this would be a good chance for people to maybe admit to their overindulgences. I mean, the holidays are going to be coming soon after this, so, you know, maybe it's don't overspend. And if you mm. are having that inclination, maybe communicate about maybe this is not one of those holidays where everyone gets showered with gobs of who knows what. That's a good warning. <laughs> you know? And then we've got that trine with... Saturn and Venus that we're coming off of. The hug from the universe. Oh, it sounds like such a nice time, but not without its hardships. No, I mean, that's life, right? I mean, there's always something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reality is, whether anyone really understands anything we've gone over or not in any of this, the stars will still affect them in a way that they're going to be affected because the plate is still vibrating and we're all little bits of salt getting shimmied into a particular shape that is gonna happen and in our own rational worlds we're like yay i got a raise or whatever it is that that aspect did for you yeah i guess time will tell what does a hug from the universe feel like what does a hug from the universe feel like if you have some salt on you it might be a little bit grinding <laughs> and a little bit abrasive so, Maybe it's a little back scratch from the universe. A, it might be a back scratch from the universe. <laughs> Just be ready to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs>